to the Journey Church podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. I'm equally excited about bringing this, this, this sermon series 2819 in for a landing. You haven't been here. Um, we've been talking about the, some of the last words of Christ. Um, Matthew 28, verse number 19, he says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach people to obey everything I've commanded. So he shares the, the church's marching orders. We're Christians, those of us that know Christ. Um, we are supposed to go share that message. Here's what, where we started. I said, here's what's sad. 70% of the church has never heard that, that message. Seven out of 10 people that go to church. And less than 2% to statistically actually participate in the Great Commission. And so I, I, I have a problem with that. And I think what Jesus said is really important. And so what we did, we, we've, in almost a surgical manner, we've just broken apart the gospel. I, I, so if you haven't been here, I want you to understand the gospel. The gospel is everyone is a sinner. Look at your neighbor and just tell them right now, you're a sinner. Go ahead, tell them. So we say, that seems so judgmental, right? If you feel judged, just look back at them and say, your breast stinks, right? <laughs> your breast stinks. You need, you, and so, right? Everybody is a sinner. It's, it's, not, it's not a good and bad. I'm not up here going, okay, I'm, I'm good. Let's talk about all the sinners out in the world. All of us are sinners. Here's what the Bible says. Um, everybody sins, and the wages of our sin is death and hell. So here, here's the problem with sin. Uh, sin because we sin, it separates us from God, both now, right? You look all around, people stressed out, they're living in sin, anxiety, fear, worry, broken relationships, fatherless homes, like all this stuff going on. Sin destroys right now, but even more importantly, it separates you from God forever. The Bible says when you take your last breath on this, 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 this earth, you'll stand before God. He's a righteous, holy, perfect judge, and you're not good enough. And if you are judged according to your sin, that you'll hear, depart from me, I never knew you, and you'll spend your eternity in a place called hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, I'm not one that's going to get up on my soapbox and yell about that. I want to do something about that. I want to make sure you know what the next part is, the good news. But all of sin, sin separates you from God. It's only through the grace of Jesus Christ that man, me and you, uh, and women, can have their sins forgiven, be restored to a relationship with God, and spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. That's the gospel. So how do you, how do you share it? Something you love with someone that you love. Where do you share it? Just be normal. Now, maybe some of you never, but you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to start a ministry where they go out in the corner and yell at people? No. The goal of the series is we're not going to start a ministry team that goes out in the corner, we hand out tracks, tell people they're going to hell, you know, yell in a bullhorn, do, do damage, right, and generally embarrass, like, and push people farther away oftentimes. That's, that's not the goal of this. The goal is let's know the message and let's participate in our normal everyday life. And here, here's what you look for. You look for people, first of all, who are not going to church. I had a visitor today. He said, somebody invited me to church. I just want you to know I was not going to church before. I was like, you didn't even come to church last week, you listened to my message, right? People that their life is not going well, people that are facing something in their life they were not prepared to handle. These are the people you're sharing your faith with. And so here, here's what I want. I feel like we've now prepared you to go share your faith. 
And I think this is really important because it's, it's what we're told to do in Scripture. Watch what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3. He says, uh, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be, what's that word say? Come on. You're the last service. This is the last hurrah. This is the last Sunday. Always be what? Prepared. Come on, you're going to have to preach with me, 11, 11 o'clock service. You got to be what? Prepared. Okay. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But here's really important. Don't forget this part. You know how you are with the Bible. But do so with, what does that word say? And what else? Okay. Really important. Two words that don't typically describe church, church people. Do so with gentleness and respect. But always be prepared. So I feel like I've prepared you, but how many of you know you can be prepared but still carry around pressure and it can destroy your preparation? What I'm not trying to do is put the pressure on you because I want it to be part of your normal everyday life. I'll give you an example. How many of you remember your first date you went on with your spouse? Come on, put your hand up. Some of you just put your hand up. Just lie, right? You're sitting by your spouse. Just lie. How many of your husbands remember what your wife was wearing? Sorry, just got you in trouble. And so how many of you remember where you went on your first date? Come on, you need to know, right? First date. Okay. So I've shared my story about my, I've been married over 20 years. My story met my wife when we were 19 years old. I followed my wife around in a non-creepy way for a few months before she agreed to go out with me. <laughs> it's a true story. She used to run on this thing called the prayer walk, right? Which was at a Bible college, which is, that's where you went and met your future spouse. And I used, to, I used to run on the prayer walk. I would find where she was running and I would wait like three or four light posts and I would just start running behind her in a non-creepy way, right? Uh, I used to go to the marriage room the same time as her. I found out when she went to the marriage room. I used to sit in chapel and sit close enough to her so she could see how godly that I was, right? And so, so I asked her on a date. It's a true story. I asked her on a date. I called her up. I asked her on a date. Uh, she said no. But I prayed about it. I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, you hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Would you soften the heart of Leah, right? And so, and so next semester came. By the grace of God, we, 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 we crossed paths, and uh, we started talking, and I, I asked her out again, right? And so I asked her out, and she said yes. And so our first date, I was like, I want her to think I'm godly. And so uh, our first date was church. And, uh, like, if you're kind of a Christian, you go to church Sunday morning. But if you're, like, a real Christian, you go to church Sunday night, too. And so I was like, I'm going to take her to church on Sunday. I want her to think I'm really godly. And so uh, I invited her to this church. It was in a place called Deep Ellum in Dallas. And so... Um, Deep Ellum was like an artsy, tattoo-y, coffee shop area. All these cool, like, spiritual, hippie kids used to go to this church in Deep Ellum for my Bible college. I was like, I'm going to go there. That's like a cool church. I'm going to take her there. I'm going to show her how godly I was. I remember we sat in the balcony of this run-down, old, clubby-looking church, and uh, we, we talked, and we worshiped. And so when it was over, I was like, you want to you you keep this party going? And she was like, okay. I was like, you want to go? You want to go? You want to go to dinner? And she was like, sure. So I took her to this really fancy Mexican restaurant called On the Border. True story. I'm a college kid. I drove on the border. I still remember what she got. She got flatas, right? She didn't even order off the main menu. She got appetizers. I fell in love that night, right? And so she was beautiful and she was cheap. And so she ate, she ate, right? 
She ate the flatas. I got a chimichanga, right, a chimichanga, which looking back, kind of a mistake, and so on your first date. And so um, ate a chimichanga, and uh, we, we had a great night. Like, everything was going perfect. I felt so prepared for the night, so prepared. Like, I cleaned my car. I, I, I figured out conversations. I had prayed. I took her to church. I got her, I got her like, flatas. Like, we were so prepared. But as the night kept going, the pressure of the night continued to kind of evolve because I started to really like her. Like, you, when you know, you know. And you know what I'm talking about? Like, this was like, this is my wife. Like, I, I literally, when she was sitting there eating flatas, it was like heaven opened up. And I heard, ah, right? And because it was like that, it was like so much pressure. And so I just wanted the night to, to, to just go perfect. And so we got in the car, and uh, it was time to go back to Waxahachie, Texas. And everything had gone perfect up to that point, but the pressure was rising, and so I'm talking to her, I put my key in the car, I turn my car on, it's stick shift, I forget to put it into reverse, I'm in an old school Jetta, so a Jetta reverses up here, because I'm talking to her, and I, I have it in neutral still, and I just hit the gas, and try to, and I was like, hopefully she didn't notice what I just did, and she was like, uh, you got to put your car in reverse. And it literally ruined the entire night. Like, still, we're 20 years past, and she's still, every time I do something wrong in the car, she's like, you remember that one time? <laughs> and on the board, and here's what happened. Super prepared, the pressure got to me. And I don't, what I'm not trying to do is, okay, okay, you're responsible. Go out and tell everybody about Jesus. Every conversation is going to lead to Jesus. We're talking about the eagles. Let me tell you about Jesus. Everybody's a project everywhere you're going, everything. The pressure will begin to get to you. Uh, that, that pressure that I'm talking about, it begins to affect you, right? I started thinking about some different areas of pressure you'll begin to feel, uh, fears you'll begin to develop. Like the first one, I was like, man, there's, like, there's this, this fear of failure when, when you do it like this. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can share my faith. I don't know if I can tell somebody about Jesus. I don't know if I can, I can seal the deal, right? I don't know if I can sell them on Jesus. I don't know if I have the right words. So you deal with this failure. And I just want to remind you, I tell myself every Sunday I come up here, I remind myself right here, you're dumb. Seriously, you're uneducated. Um, you're probably going to stutter. You're not good enough to save anybody, but God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I give the Holy Spirit a high five. I say, let's go. And I, here's, you think I'm playing. I'm, I'm dead serious. And then, then, then I remind myself, no matter how good or what comes out of my mouth, I'm not going to save anybody. If I ask people to get saved and a bunch of people get saved, that's not my success. That's not, oh, man, I did great. That's Jesus. If I ask people to get saved and respond to the gospel, everybody just looks at me. I see you all the time. Like, close your eyes. I'll like throw it in periodically in my prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And he's still looking at me. And nobody puts their hand up. And you look at me and you're like, oh, I feel bad for him. I don't feel like a failure when I walk off the stage. I'm only a failure when I don't ask people to know Jesus. So I want to take that pressure. Some of you, uh, you have the pressure or the fear of rejection. And i got to be honest with you. If they were to open up the majority of people on this earth, most of us internally struggle with the fear of rejection. And here's how you know you do. Um, if somebody that loves you points something out in your life that you could do better and you get mad, you have a fear and a struggle with rejection. So I know I struggle with it because every time my wife says something to me about anything, 
I got a problem with it. I'll be like, you never walked a mile in my shoes. You don't know what, you don't, and, and no, what the problem is, I have a, so some of you, you're like, I can't share my faith because I can't handle one more ounce of rejection. But the thing I really think is the pressure is ignorance. Like my goal of the series is I wanted you to be um, educated enough to where you understand your faith to the point where you have, when you have the opportunity to share it, you can't. Because a lot of people, now, now you're like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I, I, I don't know what phrases to use. It's big words, sanctification, regeneration, revelation. I don't know all these Asian words. Like, I'm not really, I'm going to get put into a situation where I'm supposed to share something, and I'm not going to know how to share it. So the goal of this last, this last message is I just want to show you in the most simple way possible, when you get the privilege and opportunity to share your faith, how easy that it is. How simple that it can be. And I want to share you probably one of my favorite stories in the scriptures. Um, and you're going to know why in a second, especially if, you're, if you are a man, you're going to understand why this story would be one of your favorite, my favorite stories, and maybe your favorite as well. But John chapter 9 says this. It says, um, as Jesus went along. It says he, but it's talking about Jesus. He meets a man that was blind from birth. So that means he's born blind. That means he can't see. Are we established there? Okay. He meets a guy who can't see. Um, His disciples asked him, this is interesting, they say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Interesting. They have a very um, immature spiritual mindset. Here's what they want to know. This guy's life sucks. What is the reason it sucks? You ever been there? Okay, life's going good. What am I doing so good right now to make life go good? Life's going bad. What do I need to do to fix it to make sure my life goes good? The problem is sometimes you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and stuff's still bad. Anybody ever had a week like that? Like I feel like I did pretty good this week in my faith and my devotions and my spiritual life and my prayer life. And let me just tell you my week. My vacuum broke, or my, not, not my vacuum, my, my, that wouldn't be that bad. My, uh, my dryer broke, right? Just stopped working. I have no clean towels at my house right now. My kids use a million towels every day. I have no dryer. I was responsible this week. My mom was surprised with the puppy at her conference she led. I was responsible to watch the puppy. I got my car uh, detailed. I get my car detailed about once every seven years. I was responsible to pick the puppy up, put the puppy in his crate, got the puppy from Royersford to to Phoenixville, right? Royersford is where I went wrong. And so to Phoenixville. And as I'm driving home, what'd the puppy do? God, what are you doing to me? I want to throw my, my towel, on my, my wet towel, by the way, on my hook today. Uh, and, and I have a hook on the a door. And as we're going to put the hook on the door, uh, my wife's in there getting ready. I have a towel. I hear the hook fall. My kids broke the hook a couple days ago, tried to re-put it back in the wall. Didn't tell me it happened. So now I got no towel hook to hang my wet towel on the thing. What are you doing, God? <laughs> this is it. Like, what, what, did, what did this guy do wrong? What did this guy do wrong? Some of you think that. Um, my life has been awful. There must not be a God that's for me. That, that he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not interested in my life. He, he, he's not good. I, he let this happen. He let this abuse happen. He let this neglect happen. If he was a good father, he would have let me have a father. 
What did I do wrong? So you, you see this. This is, this is very uh, surface level. You don't understand the grace and the mercy relationship with God mindset when it comes to God. Who, who did something wrong? And so I love what Jesus says. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I love that. All this bad stuff that's gone on in your life has not gone on because God is not for you. It's, it's that oftentimes God will use deep pain for great purpose. He, 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 he will allow your most miserable moments of your life, if you give them, give them to him, to be a foundation of a, a significant ministry that he wants to use you for. He brings beauty from ashes. He brings treasure from trash. If you would just trust him. So he says, this has happened because something good's about to happen. He goes on, he says this. I think he confuses his, the guys here. He says, as long as the day is day and uh, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. They're like, okay. <laughs> There's things Jesus said that I think still people are trying to figure out because sometimes we know in part and we'll know fully later. I think this is one of those moments. They're like, hey, Jesus, what did you do wrong? Nothing. I'm going to display my power through him. I'm the light of the world. It's dark time. And they're like, we don't know where you're at right now, Jesus. So then Jesus does something crazy. This is why this is my favorite story as a man. The Bible says, after saying this, I want you to read this slowly. After saying this, Jesus spits on the ground. We got any spitters here? I worked for many years as a young man to perfect my spitting. So you know what I'm talking about? Like you can't have too much, can't have too little. The trajectory has to be right. Can't be sloppy, let it be hanging down from your thing. Sometimes even now, I'll be walking out of target, I'll be like, still got it. Other times, I'm like, this is really gross. I just did that, right? <laughs> Jesus spits on the ground. Now, this is why I love this story, because you got to really read into the details of it. He spits on the ground and makes some mud with his saliva. Let me ask you something, spitters. How much spit do you have to put onto the ground to make mud? <laughs> this is why I love this story. I'm like, this is awesome. Where's Jesus from? From the Middle East, right? Lives near the sea. What is the number one thing Jesus eats? Anybody know? Probably seafood. Is there Colgate? Right? They probably eat some kind of mint leaf or something like that. Jesus, his answer to this guy's situation. <laughs> Some of you notice my voice is going. It's because I've been doing this all day, right? The blind dude, his name's Jim, right, in my story? Jim's like, I hear something. They're like, don't worry about it, Jim, right? Jesus is the light of the world. Dark days are coming, right? Like, just relax. Think about it. Spits it, mixes it around, makes a little mud in his hand, a little patty. Comes over to Jim. Jim's looking around. He doesn't know what's happening. And the Bible says, watch what it says. It says he makes some mud and he puts it in the man's eyes. <laughs> I saw a pastor try to illustrate this. It was national news. Do you imagine? Right? 
sticks it in his eyes. And then it gets even funnier. Watch what it says. It says, he says to him to go. Go uh, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He sends him, if you study it, across town as a blind man with mud in his eyes. And he doesn't tell him what he's gonna, what's going to happen. Anybody ever struggle when God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense to you? You're still, like he's telling you to move, he's telling you to walk, and you still won't go. And uh, I'm just telling you, it's your hesitation that is keeping you from your miracle. Watch what the man says. The, the Bible says, the man says, so the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. And I want to show you the interaction next. You ever have something happen in your life you have a hard time explaining? Specifically with God? Like, there's things God's done in my life. Like, I, I, I had this epiphany yesterday. So um, my mom retired from being this, the, the Pendale Women's Director. I think that's the right title. And so she's not here. You don't have to clap for her. And so <laughs> she's not even going to know you're doing it. And so I'll tell her, though. You love her. And so, um, so she's been doing that for five years. So I just did this retirement thing with them five years ago. It was, it was heartbreaking. Like, they watched them walk away from the church. And it wasn't sad, like like heartbreaking like that but it was sad for me it was like my childhood church and they sold my childhood home and uh Ian bought my childhood home so it wasn't as bad and so um uh but they they, they transitioned and so yesterday they were like can you come and can you be a part of this her last her last service and so and he said can you speak at it and so I went there to, to speak at this and so you're, you're kind of in this big room it's 3,000 women that's a lot of estrogen and so I'm just saying <laughs> a lot of women right and so we're in the front row and every once in a while, I would just take it in and just look at all, all the, the women there. And uh, then they were like, at the end, we want you to come up. We're going to surprise her with the dog. You and your brother can talk and uh, honor her. And so we went up into the, onto the stage, and you just look out. You just see, like, heads everywhere. And I, was, and, and I had this epiphany because um, I remember my mom and dad, they, they started at a church uh, when I was a kid that had 13 people in it in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. 13 people. And uh, now, as, as, as they've gone through their ministry, they've been given opportunities to lead things like that. And it was just one of those moments. It's almost hard to explain that. Like, how do you go from relative unknown to, to, to this area of, it, it's, it's hard. And so there's, there's things that are just hard to explain. It should be. Like, there's, there's moments in your life where you look and you go, man, I don't know how to actually explain that fully, but God did something. God moved in my life. And so here's this guy. He's blind. And now he sees, and he's going to come home to his normal everyday house and his life in his neighborhood, and there's going to be questions that are going to be asked. And I love how he handles it, and I want to show you this, because I think this happens in all of our lives. You, you have your life changed. It's hard to explain sometimes. You, you maybe feel a little ignorant, maybe don't have the right words. I want to show you how he simply explains this situation. How do you explain what Jesus did? First thing he did, first area he focuses on, is he focuses on his life before he meets Jesus. Part of your testimony, part of your story is, is, is understanding and even speaking about in an encouraging way to other people your life before you met Jesus. I love this. John chapter 9, verse number 8. Jump back into the story. You can see it. He's walking home. He sees now. He's not walking into stuff. He's washed off his eyes. He comes back to the place he grows up. He sits down at the table. He finds the fork. He starts eating. Nobody's helping him. They're like, what the heck? There's kids that grew up with him and were like, who is this cat? Like, we remember him. He couldn't see. We never used to pick him for teens, but he didn't know we didn't pick him, and so it was fine. 
and he's just normal. And, and they start to have this question. The Bible says his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, they're talking to themselves, by the way, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? One person going to the next. Uh, it'd be like somebody on your Facebook page, they, they, your friends, kind of all friends, they begin to see what God's doing in your life and they begin to talk. Hey, don't you remember who they used to be in high school? Don't you remember what they used to struggle with? Isn't that the person that came from the broken home? Or they're, 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 they're preaching about Jesus now. This doesn't really make sense. It doesn't line up with, with who they, they were. They're looking at the guy and they're talking. They're going, I think that's the, the blind man. And then one of them walks up and says, hey, man, I think you're the blind man. Other guy says, I think you look like him. The man overhears them and he says, I'm the man. I'm, I hear you talking. Once again, I can hear, right? But now I can see, and I hear you talking. I hear your conversation. I see you pointing fingers. I see your confusion. I want to remind you, I'm the guy you're talking about. I'm the guy who used to pass. I'm the blind guy. I, I, I'm the guy that used to struggle. This should happen in all of our lives, by the way. What I'm not training you to do is go around and share your story everywhere like everybody wants to hear it. You know what I'm talking about? How presumptuous of you. I'm a Christian. I have a story. Here's my soapbox. As if everybody, in your, like, as soon as you get saved, you just go into your, into your office space. I'm here to share my story. That's fine, but I'm just trying to work. You know how Christians be, right? You're like, I have a testimony. You're like, nobody asked. Right? What should actually happen is you should be so profoundly changed by Jesus, he should bring you from so much uh, death into life that when you walk into your office space and you begin to live the life that God has called you to live, when you go back to that school, when you're part of that team, and you begin to live the life that God has called you to live, um, people begin to notice your life and they begin to wonder, what the heck happened to that person? In fact, I think that's how it should always happen. And then you can tell them, I was that person. Hey, didn't you struggle with addiction? Yeah, I, I did. See, I'm not ashamed of my past. You shouldn't be either. Your past is proof of the power of God. Weren't you an addict? Yes. Weren't you in all these relationships where you were so insecure and you couldn't find what you were looking for? You were always searching, never finding. Yeah, that was me. Weren't you super promiscuous? Yes, at some point in my life, I, 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 I was. Weren't you super angry? Man, I saw you punch a hole through the bathroom wall. Yeah, that was my bad. I used to be really angry. Now I have peace, man. I was that man. And here's why this is so important. I'm not telling you to glorify your old life. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But I'm telling you that there is glory in where you've been, right? The Bible says in Romans 8, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his name. Grace is the star of your show. And here's why this is so important. Skeptics can challenge a lot of things. Some of you in this room, you come in and say, this isn't real. You're right. You can challenge a lot of things, but you have a hard time discrediting a changed life. Like, I'm, I'm one of the most skeptical people in the world. Super skeptical. I always start with skepticism. It's in the Bible somewhere, right? My wife, she is a, my wife has a personality where she wants to make everything better, and she always asks questions. Anybody else? Like relentlessly making stuff better. And so I'm, I'm, I'm of the, I'm, like if somebody tells me to do it, I just do it, right? If it tells stuff, how many do I take? If it's, it, it, like what, what do I do, right? Car stuff. And so, but she, she is relentlessly figuring out. So one of the areas she, that, that she has done in her life is her health. 
Like, I, I just don't ask questions, right? And so, and I don't even care about my health. My, my life principle is if it's, if it's not broken, it's still running, it's fine. <laughs> Same thing with my cars. I don't look under the hood unless it's dead, right? And so, um, but she is always evaluating. I want to live long. I want to be healthy. I want to have a high quality of life. I want to live this long. And, and I, I'm just not like that. And so she, she'll go to health, you know, like, like a health nutritionist, get stuff, take stuff. And uh, I make fun of it all the time. There's some bottle she has that are blue. She takes like this liquid stuff. I'm like, that's water. You're taking water right now. I almost one time filled it with water, dumped the stuff and filled it with water. Then I found out how expensive it was. And I'm like, you take every drop of that, right? <laughs> and so she's a pretty healthy person. And uh, I, I, I'm healthy. I'll be good. And then I'll just crash. Anybody else? And so a few years ago, we were coming out of a, a, doing some work at the church. And my body just crashed. I started losing my voice like this every Sunday. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I started having night sweats. I started Googling what that is. How many of you know what night sweats is? Cancer? I'm freaking out about my health. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, I talked to my wife. How many of you know when you get desperate, you'll listen to anybody? So I'm like, what's wrong with me? She's like, she goes on this. I, I remember like, she was like, well, your adrenals are, 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 um, are, are they're drained. You're dr they're drained. And uh, you have a bunch of chemicals in your, in your body, metals probably, and your body is trying to clear them out. So it's, it, she gave me this whole thing. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Can you help me? So she made an appointment for her nutritionist. I went to the nutritionist. She gave me some stuff, right, and did some stuff. And I started taking it. And wouldn't you know, um, a few weeks later, I was better. It happened for like a couple months. A few weeks later, I started taking this stuff, and I was better. And how many of you know I have a hard time making fun of her now because it helped me? I was, like, you can be skeptical, but it's really hard to discredit the proof, right? Like, you ever meet somebody, they sell oils, no offense if you do, and their kids are always sick? And you're like, mm, I don't know if that's working. You know what I'm talking about? Or a uh, trainer, physical trainer that's fat. <laughs> right? You're like, nah, I'm not going to pay you. I'm just not going to do it. I can do that from my couch, right? <laughs> the, the proof is in the pudding. So your story is really important when you begin to say, that's where I've come from. That's the life that I lived. That's the upbringing that I had. That's the family cycle that I was in. He starts with who he was before he met Jesus, but he doesn't stop there. Number two, he shares a really important fact with the people. Number two, real simple, how you met Jesus. How did you meet Jesus? Let me, let me, just, let me just ask you that question. You don't have to answer it to me, but if I was to say to you, how, when, where, where did you meet Jesus? Where, where, where were you when you had an experience with Jesus Christ? Not where you learned about him. Let me just stop there. I learned about Jesus my entire life. I, I, I knew stories. I knew he walked on water. I knew, I knew how God created the earth in seven days. I, I knew all these things, but I did not have a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes you ask people in church, they'll say, oh, I've just grown up in this. I'm like, what does that mean? I've just known Jesus since birth. I'm like, really? Show me that in the Bible, right? Like, good. I just kind of got to know him over the years, right? No, no. When is the day? Because I, I bet you, I bet you when this guy's explaining his, his thing, when he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what happened, he's not like, oh, it's just happened over time. Like, you can see his explanation. Watch what he says in John chapter 9. He, they say, how then 
Were your eyes open? Okay, you're that man. We established that. How were your eyes open? Okay, how did you break that addiction? How do you have a good marriage? How, how are you a father when you didn't have a father? How, how are you a, a secure mother when you are a mom or a, a woman when you didn't have that in your life? How did you do that, right? And here's what he says. He says, uh, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. You notice he didn't say how he made the mud. <laughs> Left that detail out. If it was me, I would have been like, let me show you, right? Right? But he just says, he made some mud and put it on his eyes. We're going to let his story be his story. He told me to go wash in Salome and wash. So I went and washed and I could see. Real simple. I, he put some mud in my eyes. I walked to the thing. I met Jesus and I came home seeing. The Bible says they say, where is this man? And they brought him to the Pharisees who, who knew he was blind, right? Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the eyes, man's eyes, was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees, so if you're not a church person, the Pharisees hate Jesus. Hate Jesus. They're like, um, tell us how you received your sight. And he says the same thing. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Over and over and over again. Here's how I met Jesus. He put some mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. So let me ask you, let me ask you again. When did you meet Jesus? I, I'll share my story so you, you kind of get your, so I grew up in church. I was 18 years old um, when I met Jesus. I grew up in church. I knew everything about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I was never, ever interested in it. Some people have asked me, um, did you want to be a pastor? And I say, depending on what day you ask me, um, I don't even want to be a pastor now, right? And so, uh, but absolutely, when I was a kid, I wanted nothing to do with this, Nothing. I was 18 years old. I was at my very last, they called this youth convention. Youth convention for me was an excuse to go be around five, four, five thousand teenagers from all over the state and find pretty girls. That's why I went to youth convention. And so this year's youth convention, I had a girl that I was interested in that was from a church in Pennsburg. And so I was from Boyertown. And so uh, we didn't see each other often uh, at church events. And so I went to Hershey, which is interesting. I was in Hershey yesterday, so this was all coming back to my memory. I went to Hershey, Pennsylvania, to where the Hershey Bears play. They have this big event that goes on, and I went to this conference. And it uh, starts on a Friday, ends on a Saturday, I believe. Friday, I went to the first two services. They'd preach. It's forever. It's like four hours of services. They'd pray. I would sneak up the steps. It's a true story. Go meet the girl. We would hang out. Nothing to do with God. Didn't care. Just wanted to get through. Wanted to go see my girlfriend. And... Uh, the next day, same thing. Service happens. They're going to do their altar call. Youth convention is going to be over. They start praying. I start my exit plan. I start walking up the steps of the Hershey Arena. I'm about halfway up. And I just want to confirm, I told this story a few years ago. And my aunt, who lives in Florida now, she sent me a Facebook message. And she said, I just want to confirm that you're not lying. I said, that's good because I'm a pastor. And she said, I saw this all play out. I was there as a youth leader. So I never knew she was there. And she said, I watched you walk up the steps. And, I, and I, so I, this is my, I walked up the steps, and as I was about to leave and go meet that girl, something stopped me. It was the presence of God. I sat down on the, on the steps, and uh, I remember tears started to flow down my eyes. I'm an 18-year-old kid. I don't cry. Tears started to flow down my eyes, and all I can remember saying, not, nothing, I wish it was poetic and perfect. I just said this. I said this. I said, you can have my life. Over and you can have my life. And then I remember as I said you can have my life, I started saying I'm sorry. 
Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God is drawn to a humble and contrite spirit. So I felt like in that moment I was telling God, I'm sorry that I've tried to do this on my own, even up to 18 years old. I'm sorry that I ran. I'm sorry that I've been apathetic. I'm sorry that I've been blinded. And I tell you, in that moment, Jesus saved and changed my life. And I, I, if you said to me, when did you meet Jesus? This, I will gladly tell you, I hated church. I wanted nothing to do with church people. I wanted nothing to do with religion. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I was running away from Jesus, but he got a hold of me, and he changed my life forever. Who were you before you met Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? And the last one, number three, I think is really important. I think you need to be prepared to talk about the difference Jesus has made. Do you, do you believe that Jesus changes people? Anybody? I mean, if... If Jesus is not in the life change business, what are we doing? What's the point of this? Like, I, I actually believe, I believe uh, when you give your life to Jesus that he can change you instantly, but he will also continue to change you for the rest of your life. So nobody's a, 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 a per perfect person. We are all a work in progress, right? And so I think it's important to bring glory and honor to God, not only through who you were, but in who you are now. And so you're going to see this in his story. He focuses on um, who he was before Jesus, how he met Jesus, and then the difference Jesus has made. And I want, I want you to show, I want to show you this. John chapter 9, let's keep reading. Verse number 24 says, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. And so this is, I love this because sometimes you share your faith with somebody, with somebody and they're like, just go away. But then you just keep living. And so let me ask you something. Did the blind guy go back to being the blind guy because they didn't believe he was the blind guy? He was healed. He was like, oh, I'll talk to you later. What do you guys want to do? You want to you run? And catch? What, what should we do? Want to go see, see something, right? Everything's new. He's doing his thing. He's living his life. He's bringing glory and honor to God, right? And the Bible says they bring him back again. And they say this. They say, hey, uh, Give glory to God by telling the truth. We don't think he told the truth that first time. So tell me how it really happened. We know this man who healed you is a sinner. And here's what he says. I love this because it takes the pressure off. He says, uh, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Don't you dare ask me about creation stuff you saw on the History Channel. I don't know. People want to ask you, these crazy questions about as if you know everything. You know how many times I tell people, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Same thing the blind, the blind man said. Watch what he says. He says, I don't know. One thing I do know, though. See it? I was blind. Now I see. I, I can't tell you all that. Here's what I know. I met Jesus. He put some spit on the ground. He made mud. He put it in my eyes. I went and washed at the pool. When I washed my eyes out, I could see. Here's what I know. I spent the first 30 years of my life blind. I met Jesus in that moment, and now I can see. I love how he ends the story, by the way. I think this is, this is, this is funny. The Bible says they asked him, what did he do to you? What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes. Explain this to me. Science can't explain it. Math can't explain it. Smart people can't explain it. Uh, medicine can't explain it. Like I, I just, I just am of the belief that the power of God is more powerful than any of those. Anybody agree? 
You've been to every recovery home in America. You've been to every AA meeting. You've read every book. You've gone to every therapist. You've taken every ounce of medication you could possibly take. And you still couldn't get over that. And you walked into church and you met the presence of God and the power of God in your life and you're changed. Can you explain it? I can't. I don't know what he did, but I met Jesus and now I can see. And so he tells him one more time. He says, I've already told you and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I love this. He says, do you want to become his disciple too? They hate Jesus. They're like, no, we're leaving, right? And I just, I was blind. Now I see, I can't explain it. I'm just going to tell you. I had no purpose and I have purpose. I had no joy and now I have joy. I have, I have no peace. I had all sorts of anxiety and now I have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, my marriage was broke and now it's, it's healed. My, my, my parenting was awful and now it's, it's healing. Uh, I, I had so much anger in my life and now I, I have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm calm. Like I don't know how it happened. I used to be the most impatient person in the world and now I got a little bit of patience. I'm still working progress. Like I got all these things going on in my life. Can you explain it? What did he do? I don't know. He just, <laughs> and here's the thing, sometimes that's how God works. He works in the dirt. If you would just give, give him control, he'll work in it. Some of you are like, it's so dirty. He works in the dirt. It's so dark. He works in the dark. I'm in such a deep pit. He'll meet you there. Tell me your story. Here's who I was. Here's how I met Jesus. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. No pressure. I'm prepared to share that. Why? I want everybody to know about the goodness and the grace of God. The miraculous possibility of what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? All over our houses. Uh, we're going to bring this to a, to a close. And here, here's, here's what I'll pray. Um, first, first thing, I've told both services, I said, uh, sometimes you hear a message in church and and you hear so many, it's like, oh, there's so much going on. You just kind of forget. But man, I, I just, I just can't and I won't move away from this message. What I want to happen is, uh, I think sometimes the Spirit of God does uh, surgery in, 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 your, in your, yourself. And it's like he opens you up and he adds something to you. And that's what I want him to add. Um, this urgency and this desire to share our faith, to, to tell other people about the goodness and the grace of a God that loves them, that would give up his one and only son for them. I just want that in my life. I want that in your life. I, I think, I think um, living a life without that as a follower of Christ is a very dead faith. It's boring. It's monotonous. You get up, you come to church, you read a couple scriptures, and you go on with your life. You read the history of what God did in obedient, willing, sacrificial people, but you never get to see that in your own life. And the Bible says that uh, the Word of God is alive and active. That we're not reading history. We're reading what the Spirit of God wants to currently do in this world. That we are a part of that story. That we're the church and we have the hope of the world in the message of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you do that right now? Would you add that into somebody's life? Would they um, legitimately uh, begin to move in this calling in their life? But would they do it in a way 
that is profound, that is impactful. Lord, would you allow them to see the impact of the story in their own life, Lord, that, uh, to remember who they were before they came to you. Not to celebrate it, but to remember it. To hold true to the moment that they met you. And Lord, to point others to the power of what happens when we give our life to you. And so some of you in this place, as we, as we stay there, um, when I say, hey, when did you meet Jesus? You don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't know because you've never been to church before. But for some of you, you've been to church for such a long time that if I said to you, are you following Jesus Christ? Have you, have you stepped into a relationship with him? Are you, uh, are you allowing his voice to, to guide and direct you? Do you have conviction in your life when you live rebellious towards the commands of God? Are you becoming the person that God has called and created you to be? Um, some of us would say, no, I'm not. I come to church occasionally, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I understand it, because that was me. One of my only regrets in life is waiting until I was 18 to respond to the gospel. I had chances before that. I had moments when the Spirit of God knocked at the door of my heart, and I ran. And I'm going to tell you right now, the best decision that I ever made was following Christ. Was giving Him permission to come into my life, asking Him to forgive me, following Him, allowing Him to direct me. I can't tell you how many doors that He's opened up into my life that I can't believe He's allowed me to walk through. I can't tell you how many things He's pulled out of my life that I didn't even know were in there. It changed everything. And so I want to give you that opportunity. I want you to do me a favor all over our houses. Would you, um, in a reverent, honoring way, I know we play, but would you just bow your heads and close your eyes if, you, if, you, if you're not already. And would you just only worry about yourself? I know that's hard. I want you to only think about yourself. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you called on him? The Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, that he was placed in a tomb, and in power he rose on the third day, and it's through his death, his burial, and his resurrection that you and me have a chance to become brand new people. This is not religion. Religion says you do. This is a relationship. We celebrate what Jesus did. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I want to. I don't have it all figured out, but I know that's what I need. I know I can't take one more step without Jesus in my life. He loves you. You can trust him. You can follow him. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy. He'll give you peace. He'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's here. You call, he'll answer. If you don't know Christ, but you need to, all over our houses, I don't know Jesus Christ. I'm not thinking about the person on your right or left, just you. 
just God in this moment in Montgomeryville, Phoenix. Well, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Front to back, side to side. This is my day. This November Sunday, this is the day that I'm going to look back on and I'm going to remember I decided to follow Jesus and I never turned back. If that's you all over our houses, come on, unashamedly, a little bit of courage, a little bit of truth. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, that's me. This is my day. I see a hand. 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 Yes. This is my day. This is my day. Anybody else? This is my day. I need Jesus Christ. I need him in my life. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. All over our houses, would you just begin to pray? Would you repeat this after me? Say, Jesus Christ, today I give you control of my life. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, that I can trust you fully. You love me. You fill me with grace. You give me mercy. Jesus, thank you for your peace and your joy. I'm a new person. And Lord, as we celebrate that all over our houses, I pray right now that you would do a, 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 a Holy Spirit movement in our church. That it would, it would be, this would be almost something that's, it, it, it's, it's rare. Like there's a church that is fully focused on sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hear way too many Christians talking about how the world is ending and time is short. And I just feel like saying, then let's wake up. Let's wake up. Let's start making the main thing the main thing. Let's start focusing on people. Let's start sharing our faith. God, would you do something incredible through the lives of these people when they leave this place? Lord, they represent you in everything they think, say, and do. Would they be so dramatically changed that they don't even have to tell people they're a Christian? People want to know what's different about them. Lord, thank you, Lord, you're taking the pressure off sharing our faith. It's simple. God, look, look what you've done, where, what you brought us from. Jesus, here's where we met you. Thank you so much for knocking at the door of our heart that day. And thank you for how you've changed us. Thank you for your marvelous, wonder-working power in our lives. Thank you for your healings. Thank you for your wholeness. Thank you for your direction. Jesus, thank you for your love. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. It never, it never leaves us empty. It always fills us up. It never returns void. Lord, thank you for how you challenged us, filled us up, equipped us, and now you're sending us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. All over our houses. Let's shout amen. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.